The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Good evening and welcome to the Hoosier Huddle Podcast, a special off-season edition. Uh, I'm Sammy Jacobs. Along with me is uh, Zach Green. And we're here to talk about, uh, you know, a little off-season topic of transfer portal, early signing day, the coaching carousel, how it all impacts uh, players, coaches, and, and fans alike. Uh, there's been a lot of discussion. Zach posted a, a nice article early in the week describing you know, kind of the issues with it that, you know, fans get so wrapped up in the, the recruiting rankings and, and hyped up. And then uh, sometimes these these guys don't even see the field uh, for that school uh, or they um, don't even enroll and are transferred out um, as well. Uh, you also have, you know, for me, I think the, the big thing um, – talk about the ties into it all is also the coaching carousel and how fast every season that starts off you've seen um I mean you've seen coaches fired really early in the season I think Matt Wells was fired eight games into this season uh and, and things like that so you know the early signing period has definitely changed the game uh, we talked to Tom Allen about it as well during um the February signing period and you know, it's being discussed that they need to change the timing of it or move it back to maybe one day. Uh, but it's definitely it's been around for for a handful of years now, and it, it's it's kind of taken the air out of that. First Wednesday in February used to be National Signing Day, and it was a a big deal for college football. Now players are locked in a little earlier, and there's still you know December nineteenth is usually around the the first bowl games. You're after the regular season. Uh, and, and there's still a lot of stuff to be hammered out. Coaches get let go at bowls. Uh, they leave to take other jobs before bowls. So, Zach, give us an overview of what your article was saying uh, and, and your point of view on this. Um, my point of view is the, on as far as the early signing period is that it just doesn't make a lot of sense with all the madness that's happening. Um, you look at a team like or a program like Indiana – and go back and look at their 2018 and 2019 commits. Most of their, or not most, about half ended up playing somewhere else. Um, and when you have an early, and when you have these 17, 18 year old kids enroll early before the season, so much can happen. And I'm arguing that it might not be the best for the fans, the athletes, and just the whole college football landscape in general. Uh, yeah, and you saw a lot. This was a wild, wild offseason. Uh, and, and I think the one that stands out maybe to our listeners the most, just being in Indiana and in the Midwest, is Notre Dame. Uh, Notre Dame, Brian Kelly, LSU had fired Ed Ogeron, I think in October. It was around the, the Texas A&M game. They announced it. Uh, he had coached out the rest of the season. Uh, and things like that, but you knew you knew he was gone, uh, and you knew that job was opening. 
And it was kind of out of the blue that after the regular season, Brian Kelly left and ended up in Baton Rouge uh, with the fake Southern accent. But, you know, it, it leaves a lot of, and I think it was a few days before the early signing period. And it doesn't really, it's, a, I don't think it's fair to the players who you've recruited. You're in somebody's house a few days before saying, I'm the head coach of Notre Dame, this, this, and that. And they have to scramble. Maybe they – and this is why it's important to keep relationships and not burn any bridges. But maybe it's, you know, they they had their heart set on Notre Dame and to, to play for, for Brian Kelly and things like that. Um, they went with an in-house hire. And, and it's just uh, – it, it's a whole world whirlwind of things. Um, and then you have somebody like IU who changed after the early signing period, lost a defensive coordinator, a defensive line coach, and, and a running back coach at Desan McCullough. So, you know, those guys recruited people. They And it happens all the time. We've seen, you know, just get a coach through signing day, sign that class, and then they could go. Um, and that's not fair fair to the person. Hey, we I had a relationship with the coach. I thought he was going to be here and things like that, which kind of gets evened out by the transfer portal and maybe an NCAA waiver if you apply for it and, and get it. But um, it, it's really tough as a 17, 18-year-old to be – it's kind of like you're sold a, a bill of goods. But that's – the recruiting game that's what college football and college sports has become people are going to leave uh for other opportunities sometimes better opportunities uh and, and things like that and you can't i hate faulting people for leaving for better opportunities you saw that with kane womack and kaylin DeBoer. they went on to be head coaches uh, and things like that they deserve to take that next step up as well so you know we don't have the answer of what needs to change uh, but there definitely has to be some some guidelines and maybe deadlines on on dates. Hey, you know, there's a, a hiring freeze or a firing freeze between these days uh, and, and things like that. Or, you know, a player can transfer. I think there is a soft deadline now to, to be eligible to play for the next season, which makes sense. You can't like transfer after the first game and say, hey, I'm going to go play for Alabama now. Um, but you know, it's, uh, it's crazy. That's yeah. it, in this off season was crazy. So what, yeah, what it, in your opinion would need to change the most to make it one more fun for fans and two, uh, more equitable for, for players and coaches? Yeah. Well, my first thought is maybe some more regulations, but as far as the NCA goes, we know how that can go with regulations. Um, and I think this past season you saw there was, there was no regulations. Like, I think it was, um, was it Samson James fumbled on the three yard line against Cincinnati and then uh, Tim Baldwin. four or five. Oh, Tim Baldwin. Sorry. Yeah. He fumbled on the three yard line, which costs arguably costs us the game. And then five games later, he's gone. So um, I think that's good that they put in uh, something where players can't leave after the first game because that that was a bit tough to tough to swallow. Um, 
And I think you're saying everything is a chain reaction. Like if you change the transfer or if you change the early signing period, then how does that affect the transfer portal? And then how does that affect the coaching hires and recruiting? Um, and, you know, it might just all come down to money. Um, I don't even know where you start first. I think that there's people in meetings right now. I mean, I'm sure that at the SEC day, they talked about this. I mean, it's just madness and it is hectic. It's stressful. And um, I think there's a consensus that college football fans just want, just want a little bit more stability if you're not one of the power or, you know, the, the Bamas or the Georgias or their Ohio States. Yeah, and that's where it's, you know, and it's kind of gotten stale with the, the 14 playoff as well. And we're not going to get into playoff expansion this this podcast or, or things like that. Um, but you're right. You've seen a lot of players go to a smaller school, you know, either FCS or maybe a group of five school, put up huge numbers and then um, – and then go go play a, a, in the SEC or in the Big Ten and, and things like that, and more power to them uh, to do that. But you're also harming the high school recruit coming in. Uh, what people forget is that college football, the older, bigger, and stronger that you are, the more successful you're going to be. It's a sport where juniors and seniors really, um, really matter. And, you know, maybe things calm down after the, the free COVID years uh, kind of cycle out and things like that but you also have to have enough spots for people there are a ton of people in the transfer portal who haven't landed anywhere maybe they regret that decision um and things like that so i I think the mad scramble is gonna die down a little bit in terms of hey we're we're gonna figure it out uh whether it's it's putting in restrictions or, or deadlines um or even if it's becoming less reactionary as, as a player. Hey, like Tim Baldwin, you know, if he didn't like being benched or whatever um, and left, maybe you think twice if, if you don't land somewhere, maybe you think twice about leaving a place where you had a scholarship, you were guaranteed four years uh, by the IU Bill of Rights and, and things like that. Um, you know, maybe you think twice about putting your name in the transfer portal and seeing if the grass is, is greener somewhere else. So it has become like free agency. And there's, you know, the, the transfer rankings and, and things like that. Coaches have access to it. Uh, for From the fans standpoint, as somebody who covers college football and covers a team, the more news that's in the cycle, the better. It gives us more content. It lets us interact with fans more. But I get it that you can't really connect with guys and have fan favorites if, you know, they play a year or two and, and then they're off to somewhere else. Uh, and, and you get have a hard time at, at trusting people. And you saw that a little bit this year with, um, you know, a lot of – I used tra- – you saw – I think it was Camp Buckley came in for a year and then transferred out. Um, some of the freshmen who didn't get a chance to play had transferred out. Uh, and, and things like that. So the older generations will say that, oh, they're soft, entitled, whatever, spoiled, and, and things like that. 
but at the end of the day, you're right. It is all about the money. Where can you go get your best shot to be seen by NFL scouts, uh, maybe an NIL deal uh, somewhere and things like that. Uh, and, you know, I, I once had a, a coach tell me the only place that the NFL scouts won't find you is the bench. They'll find you wherever you're playing. If it's in Alaska, um, if it's in Antarctica or, you know, in France, if you're playing and you're putting up stats, they'll come find you. But what they can't find you is on the bench. So I, I think that people, players want to play and that's not no fault of their own. Uh, that's how they're wired and patience kind of runs, runs thin. And especially if you're going to bring in a transfer, if you're a fresh, if you're a freshman and you haven't gotten a chance and your coach brings in a grad transfer who might be better than you, or, you know, is going to compete with you for that starting spot. It, it's very demoralizing. Um, you know, Hey, I put in the work. Can you trust me to get the job done? And I think, you know, it's – there are going to be a lot of hard conversations between coaches and players. It's it's something that maybe takes a few years to iron out all the wrinkles in. Yeah. Um, like I was explaining to you earlier, I mean, my buddy who plays at Arizona State, um, they just got a four-star transfer from Bama. And he, he learned about it via Twitter. Um, I believe, and that's just the, the world we live in now. Um, you know, Brian Kelly texted his team that he was leaving or, or something. And to me that that's just morally wrong. Um, I think that when you put so much time and commitment into something and then you find out, you know, I, I think a lot of it was Buckley in the summer, I believe, uh, last summer, um, you know, that he was going to come here. I think you look at a guy like Jordan Williams, I mean, you know, and you're committed here. You played under Deion Sanders in high school, pretty highly recruited. And, you know, I mean, I don't know if the coaches even were told him like, hey, we're looking at someone else who we think is better than you because we want to be a better team on the field. You know, and I think it just comes down to, you want to have the best players out there um, and you want to win. I mean, that's what it really comes down to. Yeah. I, there's a lot that goes into college football roster construction um, that maybe people don't think about. You want a balanced class. I think the Camp Buckley transfer coming in, especially taking Jordan Williams, for example, coming in as a freshman, he was going to be, I think, a redshirt junior that you still have that window there to earn your, your thing back or earn your time. Um, you know, I, I think the rotation that IU had, especially after the first few games, didn't help anybody. You know, it, it, clearly Ty Freifogel was either injured or what just not producing. Gave up. Um, same thing with uh, a couple of the other guys. You know, you have to now – take into account that, hey, maybe in the redshirt rule should help with this, with the four-game rule. Um, let's run some of these freshmen out. If they're physically ready to do it, throw them out there, especially in the midst of a two-intense season. What else do you have to lose? 
Um, now it's another thing. Play, hey, man. if you're not if you're an offensive lineman, and maybe you need a year to put on some weight and be physically ready to do it, yeah, um, you might not play in those four games. But if you're physically ready to play against some guys, especially against like an Idaho who the IU blew, blew out or late in the game against Rutgers, um, Minnesota, uh, and, and teams like that, that's how you build – that's how you build organizational depth is get these guys in the field and um, may, maybe, you know, you keep, keep some of these younger guys instead of heading to the transfer portal. But the good news for IU is that they keep recruiting at a high level. Uh, and we'll see how long that lasts uh, if they don't start back on the, the winning trend. But I, I've said it before, and I'll say it again: is you got to keep your rotation. It's not like basketball, where as the season goes on, you kind of tighten it a little bit. You got to be able to plug some of these younger guys in as they learn the system, as they get more physically developed as the season goes on, um, and get their feet wet and get them game experience because game reps are are invaluable. There, you can't put enough value on them uh, in in terms of importance for a player's development. And I, I think that, you know, you'll see uh, if you, if Jordan Williams had gotten into four games and didn't produce and was dropping balls and looked like garbage, then yeah, maybe he should have hit the transfer portal and things like that. Um, but you're frustrated because you don't play and, and things like that. And you go play for your former high school head coach. That, that's going to happen too. Um, so I think coaches got to be smarter with how they use their rotation, how they use their players and, you know, not cave to their needs, but say, Hey, let's see what we have in some of our younger guys, maybe in these early non-conference games and games that kind of get out of hand so that we know what we have for the future. And that might prevent some freshmen from, jumping out early hey okay coach gave me my shot this is my shot um and they feel like they're not done dirty so you know we'll see yeah i will say two things um you're only as good as you know the person behind you and if there's a big gap um in between then that doesn't help your team at all and i think one of the downsides of the season was you brought it up perfectly. We didn't um, outside at a quarter, uh, other than outside at quarterback, we didn't put enough freshmen and sophomores in. I'm sure those guys were eager and to, to get into the game, but you know, that's where coaching comes down. I think that um, with uh, the departure of the offensive coordinator, I, I think, there was a lot of um, emotions that were heightened because of um, sorry, my phone's ringing. Um, because of uh, the fact that these they weren't letting the freshmen and sophomores play enough, and um, hopefully this season there'll be more of a more more competitiveness in in the guys. Um, I know we've talked about this the practices. Um, yeah, I think that as I'm, as I'm talking right now, it's, it's hard to go from a, from the 2020 season to the 
to now. It's like we've been through hell and back. And where do you go from here? And well, the good I don't know. Is, I, I want to ask you that. Where, where do you go from here? As a program? As yeah, a as a program. program. And I know Tom Allen's, you know, it's Leo, love each other. But, you know. Yeah, well. <laughs> like when I, when I see a guy like Dylan McCullough leave like the way he did, I mean. Well, money talks. I know, I know it, he's going to do what's best talks. for him, but um, what do you, you know, as, a, here? as a program, I use you, you got to get to a bowl game. That's where you have to go. But okay. you also have to realize I use bringing in 19 early enrollees. That's almost 20%. I'd say probably about 15% of the between 15 and 20% of your team is new for spring practice. And I think that's going to help, help as yeah. well. Uh, as long as people. Help the line spot. That's it could. Other... You've got three, three uh, good O-line recruits coming in. Um, you know, one's coming in for, for spring. You, you kind of wish that the other two were coming in uh, for spring as well. Uh, there, there's a group of young offensive linemen that you hope that the coaches give a chance to play um yes. you know over some of these veterans who have had their shot um and things like that you hope that donovan mccully um you know matures and develops you hope that connor basilak will be in for spring as well uh, comes in, learns the offense. Uh, that Jack Tuttle, uh, who knows the offense and who's a very capable quarterback, can stay healthy um, and, and things like that. And you, you hope some of these receivers coming in, you get DJ Matthews back, and he should add, you know, Indiana's offense was a much different animal when he was healthy uh, than it yes. was when he wasn't because they, they just got too one-dimensional with these slower receivers who – or more of a 50-50 ball catcher than a speedster like Matthews. So there, there's going to be more diversity. You have a new offensive coordinator, new defensive coordinator, new defensive line coach. And I know fans are all up in arms. Oh, what's wrong with the culture? Well, your team went two and ten last year. It's not like you guys went ten and two and everybody left. You went two and ten. Sometimes change could be a good thing. Um I I, I do think the McCullough boys are are locked in. Um you know, sometimes I, hope so. I, 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 sometimes it might be good for a dad to take a step back uh, and, and not be coaching and, and watch them from afar and, and, and things like that. So, you know, maybe it's a blessing in disguise in terms of, you know, how, how, how would he, um, Coach McCullough have influenced um, things on, you know, balancing being a dad and being a coach and, and giving people fair shots and, and things like that. So, you know, who knows, but you're adding a very talented recruiting class, a very talented transfer class to a team that in 2020 was six and two, uh, you know, six and one in the regular season, you could chalk it up to COVID or whatever. I don't buy that. They still went out and whooped on Michigan and, went up to Wisconsin and won and, um, you know, they, they beat Penn State. Yeah, it was without Micah Parsons, but 
it's a team that you've beaten once before ever and, and things like that. So I, I think you, you can't really discount that. You just hope that 2021 was, was a hiccup. And, you know, I, I wrote an article, I think in June that said that, you know, LEO was the foundation that IU would hang on to when there's a storm. And I think in the first paragraph, I listed everything that could go wrong. Well, everything that could go wrong did go wrong. There were major injuries. There was a fumble at the goal line. There were missed field goals uh, and, and things like that. So you just hope that turnover lock changes. And I know Tom Allen will probably be mad at me for calling it turnover lock. But, yeah, sometimes there's a little bit of luck involved in turnovers on, on how the ball bounces and, and things like that. IU went from the best in the conference to the worst in the conference. And I think if they were just middle of the pack in the conference, you're talking a few more wins. The schedule, the early schedule is a lot easier than last year. You get Illinois to open the season, which is a massively important game for this program to get, you know, get a conference win early, get some confidence um, and make, you don't want to say make noise, but get some confidence and, and get rolling. Cause then you get Western Kentucky, um, you get Cincinnati who we'll see what Cincinnati looks like. They'll be a tough team, but they lose a lot off of that team that went to the playoff last year. Um, you, you have, uh, I think Idaho is the other non-conference game as well. And, and we saw what IU did to Idaho last year. You get, I think you get Rutgers and Maryland and Michigan to round out that front half of the season as well. And you're talking about if you could get five or six, five or six wins, you get Illinois, Idaho, Western Kentucky at home to start the year. If you could go three and zero in those two games in those three games, you're kind of back in business. You got some momentum going to Cincinnati on September 24th. Then you have to go to Nebraska but then you get Michigan and Maryland at home and at, at Rutgers. Now the back end of the schedule is brutal. Um, you get Penn state at home and then back to back weeks, you got to travel to Ohio state and to Michigan state. So it's going to be tremendously important for IU to get off to a fast start this year. And I think to limit, I think the expectations got out of hand last year and that kind of dawned on me in the preseason when the several writers are like, I use going to start eight and up. Yeah. And then the fans buy into it. And I don't know, you've been on campus and all that stuff. The student section this year was awesome. They oh, yeah. showed out for basically every game except for uh, Rutgers, Minnesota, Rutgers and, uh, and, and Minnesota, yeah. which Rutgers was a God awful day. Uh, and Minnesota, I think you guys were on on break. So, yeah, I think the fan base needs to to bring it back. They got their dose of reality. I think where it started to turn, to me, I thought the turning point for the 2021 season started right at the bowl game, and when IU covered up the the Big Ten logo, I, IU kind of got out in front of their skis a little bit, mm. uh, a little bit too much. Um, and they, you know, they, it, it was an act, it was a hubristic act to do that. Um, yeah, we were all disappointed that IU didn't get into a New Year's Six Bowl. 
we were disappointed that IU didn't represent the East in the Big Ten title game. But at the, same t- at the same time, that's a lot of focus to lose to come back into the season. And, you know, IU doesn't have enough talent or depth to focus on that stuff. And I think a lot of the media around IU, a lot of the fans around IU, and even some of the players and coaches, it took up so much energy. Um, and yeah, we talked about it and, and all that stuff. And But at the same time, you could talk about it for a week and then drop it. I thought as soon as they put the patch over the Big Ten low, I said, you, you better win this game on uh, at the Outback Bowl. Because if you lose, you look stupid. Uh, and and they lost, and, and it looked stupid. And I thought that carried over to week one. Uh, yeah, they and, for God's sake, they met, they spelled their their name wrong on one of the. Oh, that's more jerseys. on the Adidas. It's not. <laughs> but still, idea. I mean, that's on Adidas. That, but yes, that was yeah. unfortunate. That was. Um, but you look at comments that Mike and McFadden made. I think either after the Rutgers game or the Minnesota game where he says he was disappointed in the team's preparation in the fall. IU needs to live in that underdog mentality where they, they can't – they have to outwork everybody. And that was something that I know uh, people who played under previous staffs uh, and under Mallory and, and stuff like that, that we didn't need a reminder to – we're going to play harder than you and practice harder than you, no matter what. Um, and th- those teams eked out, you know, cranked out winning seed, beat Ohio state twice should have probably beat them three times. Uh, if it wasn't for a phantom hold call that ended the game in a tie. I mean, there was, there was a three year span where IU went two Oh and one against Ohio state. Um, they beat Michigan at home. Um, you know, it's IU needs to get back to their brand of football, and that's having that underdog mentality. We're going to outwork you. We're going to be tougher than you, and, and I think that starts in spring practice, which is why I'm so – normally spring practice is not exciting. It's the only thing that happens in spring practice are disappointing injuries. But um, this year, it's – to me, it's so much different. Uh, I think that you hope to see that that IU gets physically tougher. You want to see what Walt Bell's going to do and Chad Wilt. Tom Allen's taking over the play calling on defense. Um, and you have 19 new players coming in for spring practice. It's hugely important. That's where the program's got to go. you got to get back to a bowl game and just take it year by year. This is It's not professional football where, you know, one year kind of bleeds into the next. We saw that 2020 didn't bleed into 2021 really all that much success-wise, but there's now a lot of turnover, and 2022 is that you, you got to start with a clean slate and, and re not reinvent the wheel, but you go back to, to what you were successful with in 2019 and 2020, which was play the, you know, not the what was me card, but the hey, they don't believe in us. They think we're going to finish last in the Big Ten East, which I, I guarantee you most of the publications are going to say that. You know, you're, yeah. you're at least going to be fifth, if not sixth or seventh, by all the publications. 
So you're going to have plenty of bulletin board material. Um, hopefully people are healthy and, and things like that. And you get off to a hot start and, you know, turn the page. Yeah. Yeah. It's important for the program to flush this past season. And you said it perfectly. It all starts week one. I know the game just got moved to Friday um, against Illinois. So um, hopefully the fit or at least the students here will, will come back and we didn't get a win at home last year. So I think we can't emphasize how much, imp how important this game means. Um, I think if you, you know, Paul, Paul, I don't know if we'll be underdogs. Um, I want to say we might be against Illinois. What do you think? I, usually home field is worth about three points. Um, I, I, I would say I use probably a slight favorite or a pick them, okay. but you know, it's a game that I use, I use more talented need a win. than Illinois. Yeah. I use more talented than Illinois, at yeah. least on paper, but yeah. it's a game where if you lose, it might be the Will beginning of the me? end of Tom Allen. Because if I you agree. lose to Illinois, um, the fans are going to, Oh no, here we go again with 2021. You just need some pot. You need to stop the bleeding from 2021. Um, and, and a win on opening night in front of hopefully a big crowd uh, and, and things like that would help that. And it's a conference win. They haven't won a conference game since December of 2020. Uh, and I know it's like a year and a half, but going from 2020 to 2022 without a conference win doesn't look good on paper. Um, and that's a streak that's got to end. And then, then you could start talking about, hey, they could start 3-0. and And then you're halfway to bowl eligibility. Find three more games uh, you can win on, on the schedule. Get back to a bowl game and, and continue. As Tom Allen said, his word, word for the year for the team is build. That's the, you got to build on each week. Um, yep. And that's where this program needs to be headed. So that was my long roundabout answer. Uh, to that to that question um, yeah but it's it's you know I'm not saying I'm optimistic and, and things like that I'm not saying that IU is going to start 3-0 but this game against Illinois it, it's massively important for the health of the program and if they lose you could start going down that rabbit hole of hey maybe it's time to move on um, and, and things like that but We'll get to that bridge when we cross it. Uh, things could get toxic really quickly if you if uh, if they lose to Illinois. But it's still February 11th. We still have yeah, spring ball. It's early. And you still have fall camp uh, and, and all that stuff. So, so um, there, there's a lot of time in between both of them. So that's it. Any final thoughts, Zach? No, I think we uh, brought everything up that we wanted to talk about, and I. I think it's important for, you know, the Indiana fans, football fans to just keep the faith. I think the expectations were so inflated last year. I mean, for God's sake, we're on ESPN. Um, for like, I'd wake up in the morning, I'd see them talking about Indiana football on LEO. And I'm like, I didn't really process. I'm like, this probably isn't a good thing. It really isn't. And uh, I think now everyone's counted us out and, we kind of need that bad news bears mentality where 
you know, we're going to punch, punch the other team in the mouth. And, you know, if we go down doing it, then, you know, I, I, there's, you can win a game. And then a lot of people I think don't understand there's when you win a game, you can lose a game, especially in footballs with injuries. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think you saw that against Western Kentucky um, where so many guys got hurt. And this year we got 19 new guys. It's a fresh start. You got to flush the toilet and, you know, got to build. You got to build. Tom, Alice, Tom Allen said it perfectly. So, Yeah. So to wrap up everything, I, I think if fans who are listening, uh, if you have comments on the, you know, the signing day and NIL stuff and, you know, the coaching carousel and, and maybe some suggestions that would make it um, more enjoyable for fans. Although I know some fans who get super into the coaching carousel uh, and, and things like that, but your ideas on, on how to make it better uh, and things like that, we will get to playoff expansion uh, when we get there. Uh, I don't want to hear any playoff expansion talk on, on this uh, in the comments at this time, but we'll get to there on another podcast. Um, you know, maybe, you know, the impact of NIL, the impact of the transfer portal uh, and, and the early signing period as well. Um, and then, you know, after the 2021 season, where does this program go from here? Well, this program goes to spring practice and spring practice starts March 5th. They bring in 19 new early enrollees for spring practice, which is something we also talked about today is do you have guys get on campus at, at one date instead of, you know, two times a year and, and things like that. Um, but it, it is less than a month away from spring practice. I think it's a very interesting spring practice. You have two new coordinators, um, a new defensive line coach, new running back coach, and 19 early enrollees coming in, including players at important positions, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, uh, on the defensive side of the ball, uh, at linebacker where they got to replace Michael McFadden and things like that. Oh, it reminds me, I did want to shout out that three IU players did make the NFL combine um, list for invitees. There's Peyton Hendershot, Michael McFadden, and Ty Freifogel. So they'll participate, I believe it's at the end of February, in the NFL combine, which you know, gives them a, a good chance of getting drafted and, and things like that. So congratulations to those guys. They, they earned it uh, and deserve it. And we'll keep you updated on all of the Hoosier football players that are chasing their NFL dreams uh, in the 2022 draft as well. Zach, thanks for having this conversation with me and thanks for joining on the podcast. This is, this is your idea along your pet project. So you did a great job with it. Thank you. And, um, I know the fans are, are interested on, on this take too. So I, we enjoy, I enjoyed talking about it. Hope you enjoyed it as well. And, and thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys. All right. Thank, thank you for listening. We'll be back next Tuesday uh, with TJ Inman to talk about IU football as well. Uh, coaching updates uh, and things like that. We'll try and bring Matt Weaver on uh, as well to talk about recruiting and maybe the 2023 class, but you could go on HoosierHuddle.com, read Zach's article on the early signing period as well. Um, 
Follow us on Twitter at Hoosier underscore huddle. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Enjoy the Super Bowl. It's the last weekend of football for a long time. So enjoy it. Uh, the off season is almost here. And then uh, before you know it, it'll be late, uh, Memorial Day weekend and we'll be on our 100-day countdown uh, to September 3rd. So again, thank you, Zach, and we'll be back. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Well, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more.